This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And we are discussing Oregon football and some news that we've learned following uh, Oregon's Saturday scrimmage, which was held inside Austin Stadium. And then more importantly, the opportunity to speak with um, Mario Cristobal a couple of days after that scrimmage happened. And we got an opportunity to really dive deep and, and get his, his intel and his thoughts on um, where things currently stand. And we learned a lot about the quarterback position, Eric. And I think we yeah. first start with um, the Anthony Brown discussion Um you were at the scrimmage on Saturday. I was not, but by all reports, it didn't feel like Anthony Brown had the best of days. He maybe could have had an even worse day. So it wasn't like God awful, but it also wasn't one that you go home and you're like, wow, he, he was perfect. He was awesome. Yada, yada, yada. And that prompted a pretty candid Mario Cristobal on Monday saying that Anthony Brown w- did not have the number one day of the camp. It was Ty Thompson. I I honestly didn't know if he would say this. And I am going to guess if media were the only people watching the event and see, by the way, season ticket holders were at the scrimmage. So they watched, it would be hard for him to come out on Monday. If everybody else, you know, if it was just us there, it's one thing, but it's all these season ticket holders, thousand people, a couple thousand people maybe that watched to come out and be like, yeah, Anthony was great in the scrimmage. What are you talking about? Would have been very disingenuous and just dishonest, frankly. Um, so I was happy he addressed it, and then he did. He just straight up said, quote, on Saturday, Ty Thompson played the best of all the quarterbacks, end quote, straightforward. And it's, it's what happened. It's what it was. Thompson was better than Anthony Brown. He was better than Jay Butterfield. Robbie Ashford didn't play very much because he's dealing with his own injury. Um and I thought it was very notable. Ty Thompson from Mario Cristobal's lips, best quarterback on the day. I'm happy he said it because it's accurate. Um, and you kind of wonder, another comment he made here is maybe a little bit more troubling, Matt. And that's, he says that they pulled Anthony Brown out of the scrimmage because they felt, quote, his arm was being a little overused. We've got to arrest him so we don't cause any issues. Uh, sort of concerning that at, the, at that point, eight days into fall camp, you have arm fatigue issues with your quarterback I, I don't know like a do we think that's the, the case and if it is is that any better than something else which is maybe just that they wanted to let ty thompson run with the ones a little bit it's interesting uh, i'm having a hard time getting past the fact that um mario cristobal comes out and says that anthony brown you know his arm was tired and they were giving him a little bit of a rest. Um, if that's the case, we're not even three yeah. weeks into camp. And we just, his, start, we just started week two. And, and, and the arm is getting tired. Like, 
that that to me is is i don't know if it's like full panic oh my god the ship is burning how do we get off we have no lifeboats but <laughs> like that raises something to me of why would it what there must be more to the story that we don't know about because you don't hear that about a guy getting tired and a guy needing rest because his arm is tired like that, that unless it's very bad and i don't want to jump to conclusions but at the same time it's week one and a guy's already getting rest because his arm's tired like it's not like it's baseball and they're you know throwing 100 mile an hour pitches every single day for you know 70 80 pitches you know it, it they they get a lot of reps he's throwing the football hard but it's not good news when your quarterback is is getting a day of rest because he's his his arms tired. And we should note that and I, and this is more your and Jared's reporting than mine cuz I watch defense but it doesn't sound like Brown did hardly anything at yeah. Monday's practice either. So yeah, yeah um, he was he he was not, not as active as other guys. Now, we we should note that Robbie Ashford earlier on in camp 2 also had you know, we don't know what the injury is, but Cristobal has said that Robbie Ashford was dinged up a little bit um, and that they were resting him a couple times during the week. So maybe, maybe it's not as big of a deal or, or what, but it's not good that your number one quarterback or your perceived number one quarterback um, is having a, a rest day because his arm is tired and you're not even, you're, you're starting week two of camp. That should not, in my opinion, it should not be that way. Um, and that's certainly something that we're going to have to track moving forward, I think, is just the durability and the status of Anthony Brown's arm. Because if it gets tired, what's going to happen if he gets tired week six of the season? Like, maybe, maybe this is why you carry so many quarterbacks because right. Anthony needs help. I mean, I, 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 I'm joking kind of kind of with that. I mean, it, doesn't, it just doesn't seem like you'd want to have a starting quarterback who has arm you know, fatigue problems this frequently. Um, I asked Mario after he made that comment of just, is there, is this an opportunity to get Ty Thompson more first team reps? And he kind of said, no, but if it was the case, he said, quote, we don't make that information public material. So I actually found it interesting that he may, I mean, maybe I'm just way overrating and things and we are kind of paid to do this. And we look at these quotes a lot more than anyone else and try to analyze them. I did just think it was interesting that he, he says, uh, you know, we've already given our guys the right reps, but even if we did, he basically says we don't make that information public material. So that leads me to believe like maybe, maybe Thompson is getting some first team reps when we're not watching at practice, or maybe this is a little bit different than what we're being led to believe in the scrimmage. Thompson did not get first team reps until Brown um, stopped participating in, in drill work after the, and we should note like, like just here's some context for those who weren't at the scrimmage. It wasn't like Brown was letting it up. We said that already. But him, his last drill was th uh, third down conversions. There were six third down conversion attempts. He just had to throw the ball past eight or nine yards for a completion to convert. He only converted one of the six. He was not good in that. It was his worst series. Of the, it was kind of his worst sequence of the day. They then sit him down. Ty Thompson then comes out and, and completes five of six. And then Jay Butterfield gets two of four. So, like, clearly, based on those drills – they either saw something from Brown or saw something from Thompson or something and decided, Hey, the rest of this is going to be, um, you know, without Anthony Brown, cause he didn't throw right. again. So, I mean, I just, I just think there's, there's definitely something to kind of monitor here. 
Um, you know, for so much of the off season and spring and into fall camp, it was kind of like, this is Anthony Brown's job. It's all about what happens behind him. I, it's, I don't say it's shifted entirely, but I'm starting to kind of get a sense that maybe we're a little premature in, in, in kind of giving this one and, and, and saying that Anthony Brown is, is for sure the starter. Cause it just kind of feels like there's some stuff now going on in, in week two that leads me to believe maybe it's not quite as, as cut and dry. Other news that came out of Mario Cristobal's Monday press conference was um, you guys had reported over the weekend um, that Patrick Herbert suffered an injury during Saturday's scrimmage. Um, the tight end, redshirt freshman, form four-star guy, high potential, high ceiling, a lot of excitement about him, suffered an injury, and it doesn't look good. Um, Crystal Ball didn't necessarily come out and say he's like done for the year, but he did say it's a pretty good knee injury. Uh, and that they are going to miss him. Um, I think it's safe to say, Eric, we're probably not going to see Patrick Herbert play in September unless Mario Cristobal is just flat out lying, which he doesn't really do in this instance um, from, from an injury perspective. No, he uh, doesn't. Like, it, it's probably safe to say we're not going to see him for a while. And you don't want to speculate time frame and whatnot, but yeah, going into the year, you at least know he's not going to be available. And that's going to create a, just another dynamic for this position group where they are deep, but on paper, their most productive tight end from 2020 just joined the team in fall camp for whatever reason. Um, we don't know, but he got, he got onto the foot, he got onto the practice facility on Saturday and, you know, he had practice today. And so he's working his way back in. He's a week behind the rest of the team. So your three guys that you're kind of running with right now, two are true freshmen and one is Spencer Webb who played in one game last year because of injuries as well. And, and, and the fourth guy is Cam McCormick who has, well, that's really right. Forgot, I, I totally even forgot about Cam. Well, I think most people have a little bit and we should not Cam. It's been kind of a feel good story. He came out and spoke with him. You know, I shouldn't say feel good because he hasn't gotten to the place where he's playing, but it, it was a, it seems there's optimism enough that they bring him out to do about 15 minutes of interviews last week. And, and he did take part in, in some of the scrimmage. So that's really a nice positive thing. The thing with DJ, obviously getting him back, that's positive. Your heart just breaks for, for Patrick Herbert because he was dealing with a significant injury a year ago that forced him to miss all of the 2020 season. Um, by, I mean, what Mario Cristobal said today, he was having a great off season, had a great camp, looked good. Um, and again, you can't, I'm not going to start of you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to analyze. I didn't even see the injury, how long he'll be out, but you hear knee injury. And my first thought is not like, Oh, that's a thing. He'll, that'll only keep him out a couple weeks. That's probably at least multiple months typically with knee stuff. So takes it, you know, you're taking the tight end position takes a hit at the same time. I, I think it's a position that's in better shape than it has been in a while. And I still think even without Patrick Herbert, they can certainly get, good production from Webb, from the two true freshmen, from Cam McCormick, and, and I mean, DJ Johnson too. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, you lose a tight end, you, you add a tight end. It's it's awful news for Patrick and his family. I'm sure that's just devastating for him to to come in here and, and, you know, with some of the expectations placed on him, fair or unfair, based upon who his brother is. And for him to just basically now, this could be three straight seasons where he's barely played. Um, the first because of playing time and the last two just because of injuries. That's just a tough, tough way for his career to be going. And you feel for him and, and again, hope for a quick recovery and, and shoot, maybe the injury is not as serious as we, we think it might be. That'd be great news, but um, we'll kind of have to wait and see on Patrick of, of when he's available again. Are you at all concerned about the depth here? Because right now, 
Yeah. We've got three guys that we know for sure are going to not right now, right now, at least are going into the year ready to go, but one's a red shirt sophomore, two are true freshmen. We've got Cameron Cormac, who's got injuries history. And, and, you know, it's kind of one of those, like as, as cruel as it sounds, it's kind of one of those, like we'll count on you once we see it act, you know, some results, once you get on the football field and then that, and I could have said that way more elegantly, but that's just kind of the way we're at right now. Like yeah, I hope I Cam gets on the football field. He deserves it. He, he has put in all this effort, but he's been hurt for like three years in a row. And so until that first snap happens for him, you know, you, you kind of have that. Let's wait and see if this really is actually going to happen or not. And then DJ Johnson, like he wasn't available for spring and we don't know what's wrong with him now, but he has joined the team. Like, is there any concern right now with depth? If I, I, here's what I'll say. I, if, if Johnson's good, then as if, if basically if Johnson or McCormick, McCormick, one of the two is, is playable and is a, is a confident, capable contributor. I'm not concerned because I feel really good about Webb as a number one. And the two true freshmen have been awesome. I think we talked about it when, uh, when Jared and I recapped Sunday, uh, the scrimmage on Sunday, um, Ferguson had one of the best tight, you know, catches I've seen a tight end make in an Oregon uniform, whether it be in a game or a practice in, in five or six years. It's just an incredible extension to pull in a ball. Um, I think he's going to be a real contributor as a pass catcher. I think Matavajo now at like 265 can kind of he can mash some heads at the line of scrimmage and get out and catch the ball too. So I feel like I feel really good about those three guys. And if between Johnson or McCormick, one of those guys is like ready to go, and I kind of expect they will be then I feel fine. If both of those guys have problems, then I, yeah, I maybe get a little bit nervous because you are down to basically two true freshmen and Spencer Webb. But um, I, I have optimism, I think, because that group now with five scholarship players, at least taking part each day, we don't know what we can expect out of McCormick. I think we can, now that Johnson's here, you feel pretty good about it. You just want to see what he can actually do and why, maybe try to figure out why he was gone for so long. Um, but no, I'm not overly concerned yet. And I probably won't be until... Um, there's some sort of sense that McCormick and Johnson aren't going to be able to contribute for you. If that comes down, then I'll change my tune, I think, a little bit. We've also got some good discussion with Mario Cristobal um, about some other freshmen that have started to stand out here a little bit. Um, You mentioned the two tight ends. Um, Terrence Ferguson is one of those two that continues to turn heads, continues to make big impressions. Mario Cristobal also gave a, a shout out to the Kingsley Samamatia today, or I should say Monday, um, about you know just how well he's doing and he's pushing his way in. And he also then said that you know Jackson Powers Johnson, the center, um, he is also forcing his way in. And it, and it sounds like Eric, he was looked at as a center, and he probably still is long term. But it does sound like they are kind of mixing and matching him at guard and Alex Forsythe at guard just to see if maybe that combo could play together on the field at the same time. Yeah, no, there's been a lot of rotations up front. And we should note um, Powers Johnson did not take part in the scrimmage and was, I think, right. limited again on Monday. He's dealing with something. So there's just a little bit of, of that. But um, and actually, Kingsley somehow is the only one who's healthy because Walden's not participating. Miller's not participating. Jake Jackson... Uh, Powers Johnson's not participating. So it's only Kingsley of the highly regarded four freshman offensive linemen that are taking part. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, I, I wrote about this on, I think the story went up on Saturday, but talked to Alex Mirabal and, and Alex Forsyth, the two Alexes who are most important on the offensive line, I guess, um, about 
some of the job swapping stuff and the versatility. And, and I actually asked Forsyth about if he was playing any guard in practice. He said that was like maybe one or two snaps, period. So I, I think that was something we saw in a Rob Mosley practice report that maybe was a thing that happened but isn't particularly notable. But Powers Johnson was somebody that Forsyth said he thought could play center, guard, and tackle. Um, could play all three of those places. I think tackle's a, a reach, but if, if called upon, it was that capable. So clearly someone who's versatile enough to do that. And in general right now, um, there's a story up on Duck Territory from Saturday that talk, talks a little bit about the versatility. Um, every one of the 20 offensive linemen is getting reps from the left side and then the right side um, to try to make sure they, they could play either side. They're not, you know, typically you'd be like, hey, this are our left tackles. These are our right tackles. They're doing everybody's getting left tackle work or right tackle work if they're a tackle. And everybody's getting left guard work or right guard work if they're a guard, trying to figure that part out. And then the other thing is that that they're really trying to get guys to play at least guard and tackle or at least center and guard. Or like I said, in some cases, three positions. Um, I think the, the, the concept here is you just want to get to a place where it's not who's our best right guard available because Ryan walks not available. It's who's our best offensive lineman available. And that guy has probably played enough right guard in practices because we've been doing so much cross training that shoot, let's throw him out there. So even if it seems weird that, you know, let's say you end up with Kingsley Simatia as your right guard. Well, Hey, I'm not, this is hypothetical because I don't think he's working at guard. I think he's just a tackle at the moment, but like, Hey, he's been getting snaps there and he's our next best guy. So he's the guy to go in. Um, that's what they're headed towards, I think, up front on the offensive line of just making sure everybody can kind of fill in everywhere. And it's kind of impressive to hear about, honestly. Jeffrey Bossa is another one that continues to, to pop up. And Cristobal also had some real positive words to say about Darren Barkins, a, forced, uh, a, a cornerback that was a three-star guy that signed with the Ducks as well. Super fast. That's definitely stood out in the scrimmage. Um, you know, and I think – Barkins, and we, we again we talked about this a little bit recently, but they're down on they're down some corners. Yeah. Um, you know, DJ James obviously not with the team. He was he's suspended, and we don't have any clarity of when that's gonna change. So I think just prepare for the season like he's not on the team. Same thing with Jamal Hill, um, who plays nickel. Um, but those two are not around. Um, also at corner, Jalen Davies. Uh I, I don't want to get into the specifics, but we saw him leaving a practice on Thursday and we haven't seen him around the team the last couple of days. He's dealing with some sort of uh, an injury, I think. Um, and then Avante Dickerson, another freshman signee, he's been, he didn't take part in the scrimmage and he's been a little bit dinged up. Oregon only had four scholarship corners and the scrimmage. And I didn't think Barkins, I thought Barkins looked great, um, really fast. And that the play that Cristobal pointed out was the same one that stood out to, I think anybody who watched the scrimmage was where um, Tevin Yanis beat Barkins off the line. And, and again, Barkins is fast, but Yanis kind of burnt him and was way downfield, really big gap between them. And it was a really nice pass from, I think it was Ty Thompson, just to, you know, that set them up about 30 yards down, 40 yards downfield maybe. But Barkin stuck with the play, got behind it, and stripped the ball out of Yanis's hands. And Dante Manning was there to pick it up. And I think that's an instance where you can go, hey, he didn't, maybe he needs to work on some of the stuff at the line of scrimmage, maybe a little better on press coverage. Because again, Yanis basically just had a free release and was gone. Um, but you love the fact that he ran the play down and, and didn't die, you know, didn't quit on it and made a play that ended up being a big benefit for the defense. So I think Barkins is somebody who I probably would say I don't expect him to play a lot, but he's certainly getting snaps in practice right now because other guys are out that might allow him to be. And, you know, really this, I think just to stay on cornerbacks, the TriQuest Bridges Dante Manning position battle is probably the most fun to watch on the entire team right now. And surprisingly, Bridges might have the edge right now, which I don't think I was expecting to say. 
given uh, what Manning's you know, recruited, you know, ranking is and kind of what we think of him. Um, Bridges seems like he's really stepping up and, and, and might be the number two guy there, um, assuming DJ James isn't available. And even if DJ James is like suddenly someone who's practicing, he's going to have some work to do to get caught up. I think he's been missing, you know, at least eight practices so far. And, and I would guess closer to 15 to 20 by the time this is all done. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be certainly interesting to see play out. Um, Oregon probably is having another scrimmage, I believe on Saturday uh, inside Austin stadium again, uh, that, that is, I think the 21st, but we will not be allowed into that one. Um, instead we'll have to, to, glean some information from best sources that we can about how that that one went but we'll have more coverage throughout the week um on duckterritory.com also on this podcast um and until we release our next one thank you for listening this has been the odds and audibles podcast talk to you later folks okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.